The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. To the house, This is unbelievable. Welcome to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. It's your call for the best college football coverage. From National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between, CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. It's a Mailbag Monday. This is when we turn to you, the listeners, uh, answer some of your questions, and we appreciate all of them. The Mailbag is busting at the seams. If you want to submit a question for a future Mailbag Monday, the way that you do it is you go on over to wherever you get the Cover 3 College Football Podcast and leave a five-star review five stars and uh, then you can follow that up with a comment about the show you could follow that up then with your question and uh, we'll add it to the mailbag we'll address it on a future mailbag Monday uh, Barton Simmons Tom Fernelli gentlemen how are we doing uh, we're, we're good yeah we're great we got a confidence boost just before we started recording what was it Lynn is doing some kind of puzzle that is like one of those New York Times puzzles. It's not a crossword, but it's like this this word puzzle where it's like eight letters with one in the middle, and you have to do the all the different comp- word combinations you could find using that one letter that's in the middle. And she had done it, and it was like you know, on you get graded for how many words you find, and it was on genius level or whatever. And she was all feeling good about herself. She's like, she's like, yeah, good luck even trying to find any more words in there that I didn't already get. And I looked at her list for like ten seconds, and then I looked at the letters, and I came up with three more words that she had missed. <laughs> In like Look 10 at the seconds. Big brain on top. <laughs> <laughs> and it's very rare that I get to pull one of those moves out on her because she's much smarter than I am. So I was just like, yeah, that's right. Walking that's with right. a little I, I bit know of words. swagger. Okay. Mr. Wordsmith. Getting yeah. getting the uh the tough New York uh New York Times puzzles down. Uh Barton, how are you? I'm great. Good shape. Uh, got a got a kid with the tonsils out today, and she seems to be on the mend. So, uh, haven't haven't not had a chance to review the questions, but I feel I feel ready. I feel mentally prepared, anyways. Yes. You now, did did Scout have to have her tonsils removed so she could sell them to afford to pay off her bookie after losing the Mississippi State bet? Yeah, it was uh, it was punishment. I said, look, you're gonna give me, <laughs> give me bad info. We're gonna have to. 
We're going to have to put you under the knife. See, the thing is, in the Simmons household, you only start with the disposable body parts, right? Right. And then- right. <laughs> Next up's like an appendix. You yes. Know? <laughs> and then... And then we'll go from there. All right. Well, let's uh, let's let's take a dive in, and we we will begin with uh, some newsy-ish questions. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You submit a question, and then it flows right with uh, some of the conversation we're looking to get. You get bumped to the front of the line, and uh, so this is from Will in Columbus. Will asks, "How is Alabama with Mac Jones any different than Alabama with Jacob Coker when it won a title?" Is it simply that other contenders are better than they used to be? And I think that this sort of comes back to some of our conversation in the instant reaction. Uh, go download if you haven't already, where we were taking a look at Tua Tagovailoa. And as I, I got a chance to edit it later, sort of sort of review it and, and simmer, like Bart and I, I believe that I, I found myself drifting a little bit closer to a point that you made than I had when we initially recorded, which is that. It, Alabama deserves a chance to prove that it is more than just one of its 85 scholarship players and that Alabama's status as a championship contender should be because of the rest of the roster and everything else that they've done in the season, not just uh, the plays and the instances that have happened where Tua was involved. And so as we bring this question from Will back into focus, you know, how, how is Ma- – Alabama with Mac Jones and all these other great skill position players different from an Alabama with Jake Coker, who, if I remember correctly, had a, did he have like a Derrick Henry and an Amari Cooper or did he have a Calvin Ridley? Needless to say, we were still dealing with NFL level skill position players, just obviously not the kind of ceiling that you had with Tua. Oh, well, here's how it was different is he had... He had a TJ Yeldon, Derrick Henry, and Kenyon Drake. Uh, he did have an Amari Cooper. Uh, he defensively, and I'm just saying this on the fly, I just pulled up the Wikipedia page from that team. That was DJ Petway, Sean Robinson, Jonathan Allen, uh, Landon Collins, uh, Denzel Duvall, Reggie Ragland. I mean, so Eddie Jackson at, at corner. So I think the the I mean the answer is, is is a lot of things. One, that team was built differently. Uh, this team is built around the quarterback, not in a way where the quarterback is sort of a one man show, but in the way where the quarterback facilitates this incredible array of skill talent. And Mac Joe, and and in a way that softens the blow because Mac Jones comes in. He still has an incredible array of skill talent. I think probably where I would lean more in this answer is just that the bar is higher for what teams are going to have to do offensively to win this national title than what it had to do to win the national title with Jacob Coker. And did, I mean, did Jacob Coker, let me see. See, I, I mean, thought the Jake, be- I thought right, the so, best. So, Jacob, right, so I'm thinking of, that was the 2014 team that I was rattling off, uh, which was Derrick Henry, Kenny Drake, and then Damian Harris. Same, same kind of deal. Uh, and Calvin Ridley was on that team too. Uh, but I, I just think that this 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 year, given who you you, know, you got to beat the LSU, you got to beat the um, Ohio State, Clemson, 
I just think the bar is so high offensively, and it doesn't mean Alabama isn't still a great team without Tua, but it's it's a little bit hard to envision them playing the kind of offensive football they got to play to beat those teams with Mac Jones. And it's hard to, it's hard to envision it with them. If Jacob Coker was their quarterback right now, you'd, our answer would be the same thing. Yeah, I mean, it all it all stems down to what you said. The the teams. Greg McElroy, A.J. McCarron, Jacob Coker, all the quarterbacks that have won titles with Alabama weren't asked to be the focus of the offense. They were just simply, you know, the quote-unquote game manager. We're going to run the ball. We're not going to screw it up on offense. And we're going to let our defense keep in, you know, us in the games and win games. And it just for the sake of comparison, in 2009, when Alabama won a national title with Greg McElroy, he threw the ball 23 times a game and he averaged 7.7 yards per attempt. This year, too, has thrown the ball 28 times per game while averaging 11.3 yards per attempt. So not only are they throwing more often, but they're throwing further down the field. It's not what it used to be. So it's it's an entirely different offense. And then like part of the question, too, was, has everybody caught up? And yeah, that's the, that's the other thing, too. Alabama used to be a couple laps ahead of most everybody else, and that's just not the case anymore. That uh, 2015 season, I will also say that the best team in college football, uh, I think, missed out on the college football playoff because Ohio State blew it against Michigan State. I kind of feel like Ohio State was the best team in 2015. I, th- uh, Yeah, I, I don't think there's anything. I think if Ohio State could have gotten to that, playoff it would have fared better than michigan state did yes (laughs) well well yes um that's probably correct and that was i guess clemson over oklahoma in the other semifinal and then in the championship game nick saban goes for the onside kick which i think is recovered by Kenyon drake uh to steal a possession because he couldn't stop deshaun watson in the one that alabama won all right so uh as we dive back into the bag Corehouse asks, I'd like to hear Tom talk about his approach to picking games. How do stats, power rankings combine with weather when he's filling out his card? What are the stats around weather? What is the general philosophy hunting for unders? What goes into chaos rate for defense? I mean, is this guy trying to steal your stuff? And how Uh, does... He's trying to get me to just explain the entire process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how does he use it to inform his picks? Uh, so Tom is, you know, intellectual property rights and, uh, and, and all that protect your process. The process is to be trusted, not taught. Uh, how, what answers do you have for our friend courthouse? Uh, let's see. I'll stick to the basics. Yeah, there are power ratings. I've been working on my own. I don't like, they're not perfected. I've never had them before. I've always kind of just gone off a of gut. But I've had my own power ratings that I've been working on since last year. I, even, I don't know if you remember, Chip, I sent you a picture of a book I bought to help me with these things. And I've been, I read that book. I've used some of the things in that book to maybe put together my own. But I'm still not relying on them to pick games. But it does, from what I'm getting, it's a lot of the metrics I used, I've put into that. And they've given me some interesting results, nothing that I'd consider finished yet so i will continue to work on it but i think that my process mostly involves numbers and just kind of logic like you know what you see what you know about a team so there's so many things that you have to put into any game when you're trying to pick it 
whether it's how the team's playing, you know, look ahead games, emotional letdowns, injuries, how they've performed, how they've performed in games against similar teams, that kind of stuff. As far as the weather is concerned, there's a lot of data that just supports that when it comes to trying to figure out weather, like everybody thinks, you know, like a rain is bad for, you know, defenses when rain really has absolutely no impact. It, you, you know, it, it, or I'm sorry, rain is bad for offenses, but it has no impact on an offense. The data shows, I mean, it's the defense that's greatly impacted by, it, but even so it's not like necessarily for an under because it's usually leads to it over. And then wind is the strongest force as far as a correlation between how windy a game is and how many points are scored in it. And wonders, at least what I use to constitute wonders over the last you know few years, are win at about 59%. And that's you know pretty good. And uh, I don't know, as far as my metrics, chaos rate, what goes into it? It's pretty simple. It's the same thing as a havoc rate from Bill Connolly and Football Outsiders, which is it's tackles for loss, it is passes defended, and it is fumbles forced. And then my addition is I include blocked kicks. And then you just divide that to the number of plays the defense is on a field, and that's your chaos rate. And you use that in picking games simply because disruptive defenses tend to it's like if you look at it way in offenses as far as chaos rate is against and you look at the defense's chaos rate you know for and you can find matchups in there if you see an offensive line or just an offense in general that gives up a lot of these things and it's going up against a defense that creates a lot of these things well guess what more often than not that defense is going to have the better day and that team is going to cover more often than not so those are the kind of things you look for I hope that explains some of it. Barton, what's your process? <laughs> uh, I I dabble in some of Tom's black magic, uh, but I I'm a little more of uh, eye guy. I'm a little more of what do I know? What have I seen? That's why I don't ever bet these in these group of five games that y'all play because I don't trust gambling on a game against uh, of of a team that I have not seen with my own eyes. So the more I've seen a team, the better I feel about betting them because the bet, better I've I trust myself on them. Um and uh but I still I, I but I still utilize a lot of Tom's process oriented uh uh stuff gadgets as well. Yeah, I think I think the best way to put it is just don't make don't look at something and say oh yeah that's it and then not put any thought into it like if you have an inkling <laughs> like if you see like say no wait why is this team a three-point favorite don't i'm just hammering you know the plus three or the minus three whatever way you feel don't just do that have that inkling and then look into it make sure you're not just you know just ask yourself some questions about it convince yourself i mean the way i would i, I would say a good way to do it is if you think that the under is a right play Ask yourself why it's wrong. And if you can't come up with a good reason digging into why you shouldn't take that, then, okay, now you know that that's a smart play. Oh, and the one question was, why do I hunt for unders? Because unders win more often. That's really all it is. Because the general public 
is prone to betting an over because an over is more fun. An over means more points are being scored. Nobody really wants to watch a 10-7 to game, no matter how much they say it. Nobody wants to watch punts. They want to watch 45-42 to games. So they root for it and they bet for it, and more often than not, sports books have to adjust to that because they're getting bet higher and the lines are moving up, so they have to set their lines anticipating what everybody's going to bet so you can typically find more value on an under. So it's not that I don't ever bet overs, but unders are the quote-unquote sharper play. I didn't look into it one bit when I won my Rice Plus 14.5 lock. (laughs) I did zero in-depth research. Researched no havocs or chaoses of any kind of rates. That one was all gut, baby. And so... I, I will still stand for when, you, when you're looking there and on Wednesdays, I look at every single game on the board and when you see something and it calls to you, you better, you better answer that call because uh, 50-50 chance you're right. <laughs> Gotta listen to your bones. Gotta listen to your bones. My knee hurts. I'm taking rice. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, let's see. We, we've already talked a little bit about Alabama. We might come back to that. Uh, this is an interesting perspective. All right. So ducks fan 2014 says I am an Oregon fan struggling to entertain CFP hopes for my ducks. I think I would rather see a competitive Rose bowl against Minnesota, Wisconsin, or Penn state instead of facing a world beater in LSU, Alabama, Ohio state PS I live in Columbus and wouldn't be able to take the heat from the Buckeye faithful duck fan 2014. No faith guys. That was, that's kind of a, a morbid look like the pac 12s here in the college football playoff discussion on November 18th. We'll go into November 23rd in the college football playoff discussion might be in, in the college football playoff discussion in December. The narrative's changed, but sounds like duck fan 2014 Still living in the uh, still living in yesteryear, where the Pac-12 is a lesser conference and not competing for national championships. Now, to be fair, it says he filed this question on October 28th. Correct. So he might have changed in the last few weeks, but still, Duck fan, that's a little cowardly approach, in my opinion. I understand it to a degree, but you, you, did you think that you were going up against a world beater in Auburn to open the season because you led most of that game? And while I I think we all know that. We think that LSU and Ohio State are better than Alabama, who you used in the example. And obviously, this was before the two injury, which changes a lot. I would favor LSU over Oregon. I would favor Ohio State over Oregon. I would favor Clemson over Oregon. But I think Clem or Oregon's defense is good enough that it can stay in a game with any of these teams. Plus, you got the offensive line, and it can it can grind you a little bit. And uh, Don Mario is not going to be pleased to hear someone not ready to go take a swing. He, you know, this is a guy who is – he would absolutely salivate at the idea of being on in the four, in the national four. Even if they get blown out, you then – all the different ways you can spin that from recruiting, all the ways you can use that as a springboard for recruiting, all the different ways you can get exposure – all the different uh, letterheads or, or graphics you can send to recruits. Just being in the four would be huge for Oregon and for Mario Cristobal. And so uh, I, I, I think that 
And I, and I actually think, do I think that Oregon would beat one of the, the top three? No. But I, I, I think that, you know, with the, that offensive line, I could, I could see them giving LSU a real challenge. I could see them being competitive with all three. And you, you got to have a, you got to take your cuts in the batter's box if you get a chance. Here, here's a recruiting graphic. Let's say that this year's college football playoff is Clemson, LSU, Ohio State, and Oregon gets that fourth spot. Mario can start sending out flyers to recruits and say there are five teams who have been to multiple college football playoffs. Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, Ohio State. And Oregon. Oregon. Nobody else. I Look... From the coaching standpoint, you guys make uh, a great case. And I, you know, even as, uh, and there's another question that might uh, lead us here if we get to it in the mailbag, but like the selection Sunday is right before the early signing period. Are you kidding me? Of course, Mario Cristobal would welcome, like if he was given the option by some genie and say, you're going to make it to the college football playoff, but LSU is going to work you guys. It's going to be 42 to nothing. Never going to have a chance. Um, LSU's defense plays its best game of the season. Justin Herbert's totally overwhelmed. Too much. Like just, just can't get anything done. 42 to nothing. That's going to be your loss. Mario Cristobal takes that because selection Sunday momentum right into the early signing period. I mean, that is that is setting you up for sustained success over time. I The recruiting graphics, that is all a great point. I will say from the... Not not from the perspective of the Ducks fan in Columbus alone, but from the perspective of a fan who was looking to tr- like spend their money traveling to a game, and it, that's it's a very very selfish. I understand, but just sort of playing the other side of this, I would rather go to the Rose Bowl and beat up on a Big Ten team than go to Glendale and get shut out. Hey, listen, if we get like an Oregon Michigan Rose Bowl, you won't hear any complaining from me. That's I mean, that's I think that as if you're an Oregon fan who is already planning regardless of where we go on spending their money, I understand that perspective of I'd rather go to Pasadena and have a game that we can win against a, a Big 10 team than go to to Glendale Arizona and just get worked over by a team that has just been on a different level for most of the season. I think Oregon, but I, I also think Oregon probably looks at, at at the very, especially when you look at what LSU's done defensively. I I bet you Oregon looks at LSU, and they say we're gonna go we're gonna go beat their ass. They're, I'm not saying they're right. I'm that you know probably aren't, but no one on that Oregon team is 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 sort of, and I don't know that this that's what the 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 guy is implying here. Let's ask the question. But I mean. I think those guys to go and think they're going to win, and think, I think they think they're really good. I mean, they went to the SEC country, they they lost to Auburn, but they were, looked like the better team most of the game. Uh, I, I, and and I, if Oregon beat LSU, I would not be surprised. I really wouldn't. If Oregon beat Ohio State, I would be surprised, but not shocked. There's still good football players on that Oregon team, so uh, I, I I you know I just think. Um, when you got a great offensive line and you got a, a really good quarterback, uh, l- at least that's what everyone's telling me, uh, <laughs> then, then you, you got a chance. 
All right. Good luck, Duck fan. Whatever. Well, you're living in Columbus, so good luck no matter what happens because Ohio State fans are, are going to be on one here in the uh, in the postseason. All right. Speaking of quarterback evaluations, Barnaby Strangeneck. Is that a is that a That's literary a is that a literary reference, Tom? I like how you think I'm. Uh, no, I have okay. no idea. I could Google real quick. Let's see, Barnaby Strange Neck. Nope. Okay. Looks like it's just an online alias. I uh, I I I did turn to you, just figuring that you had read more books. <laughs> you're 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 a book expert. When when hey, and by the way, in the comments and in the mailbag, a lot of comments um from listeners who really like the idea of the book club. So come this off season, we'll uh we we will definitely start selecting something and uh, we'll go through it together. But Barnaby asks, who is the best quarterback in college football that will not get drafted by an NFL team? Okay. Okay. All right. That's interesting. So Tanner Morgan comes to mind. Mm. I mean, I don't, it, he might be a draft pick. I'm just, he doesn't have exactly have a ton of traits, uh, but he is a, he's a really good player. Um, you know, I mean, somebody who came to mind for me is a senior this year. Uh, Nathan Rourke at Ohio is somebody who I really enjoy, who I think is very good, but he is not an NFL quarterback. He is definitely a college quarterback. All right. Yeah. Um, well, let me shoot. Is 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 Tyler Huntley getting drafted? I don't know. I, I don't necessarily. Someone should. See, I, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty bad at but draft. He, People, he's only 6'1 and 205 pounds. I feel like he's going to be an mm-hmm. undrafted free agent, and he'll be in a camp, but I don't think he's going to get drafted. That I feel strikes like, me as your answer right there. Tyler Huntley? Yeah. yeah. John Rice Plumley is a pretty he, – he, he will not play quarterback in the NFL, I don't think. But he is going to be a fun quarterback – in Oxford for the next few years. Jamie Newman? He's Ian, getting some NFL buzz right now. Really? Ian Book? Ooh. Ian Book is, is, is not a bad answer. I'm not going to, I'm, I'm sort of skeptical that he's an NFL guy. I am yeah. very skeptical that Ian Book's an NFL guy. Is he a junior? No, he's a senior. Yeah, so this yeah. is it. Hey, he's got, a, he's got a college football playoff appearance. He's won a lot of games as a starter. Great college quarterback, but I'm with you. I do not Here's see it for you. NFL. Sam Ellinger. Wow. Wow. He's getting draft. Come on, man. <laughs> wow. On. I think he is too. I'm just saying though. He's you know. Well, <laughs> that's a guy that was probably we were, we're probably thinking about as as being gone this year, who is is another one that might have you know playing his way back in to to being back next year. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, I'll tell you who, who who one is that's sort of exactly what this question is asking about. Uh, Brady White at Memphis. Zero chance he gets drafted. Zero chance. But that guy's a really good quarterback for that team in, in making the plays they need. 
And what's in, what's crazy about Brady White is he is he's coming back next. Like he has got another year of eligibility, which it feels like he has been in college for fifteen years. His high school quarterback or high school wide receiver Trent Irwin played at Stanford and was a senior undrafted undrafted free agent last year. And Brady Weiss got two more years to roll, and he's been starting for a bunch of them, it seems like. Here's one that I don't think would be drafted in most years, or at least a couple years ago, but maybe now with the short amount of success that Gardner Minshew had. Anthony Gordon. Just Washington State quarterback? Sure. Yeah. Let's go. What about Kyle Trask? See, I feel like Kyle, if he has a good enough season, he's got a lot of things that NFL teams like in that, you know, he's what? He's listed at 6'5", 240. Somebody will give that dude a chance if he could if he has a good pro day for sure. And plus, he's only a junior, right? Yeah, that's because when uh, Barton said Brady White, I was thinking, man, Kyle Trask could come back. And like I know that we're we're all talking about Emory Jones and we're seeing Emory Jones play just sort of a little bit more, a little bit more comments coming out of Gainesville from Dan Mullen talking about, uh, you know, excited about what the Gators offense is going to look like with Emory Jones. I mean, Kyle Trask is is Chris Leak, Emory Jones, is Tim Tebow. But Kyle Trask comes back next year. Is he the starter? And if he is the starter, then yeah, I guess maybe he's an NFL quarterback. I'll give you one more. Um, the kid at App State was Zach Thomas. Is that his Zach name? Taylor. Zach Taylor. Yeah, that dude's good. He's really good. Oh, it's Zach and Thomas. Not, it's not Zach Taylor. You're right. It is Zach Thomas. Zach Thomas. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's a lot of I feel like there's a lot of Zach Taylors and Zach Thomases, so like there's the, the, there's there's a lot of options. Um, We've got a lot so of Appalachian put, State listeners that were screaming, <laughs> screaming into their phones as I made that mistake. Glad, glad you got that corrected. Uh, but he's he's a little shorter, a little you know run game is a big part of his operation. Uh, probably not an NFL guy, but he is a heck of a college quarterback. Um. All right. Our next question comes from Mr. RBI 10. And he asks, do you think Butch Jones is a good fit for the Razorbacks? So I think the Butch Jones conversation is, is really interesting. Me too. All right. So Butch Jones went Central Michigan to Cincinnati. Um a win, A win, eleven win, four win, ten win, nine wins. Um, pretty like he wasn't. He had a pretty good resume of success going into Tennessee. He inherited a probably an, an uh, I mean, in the spectrum of Tennessee dumpster fires, I'd say, I don't know. Following the Dooley era, era had to have been one of the the bigger dumpster fires. They weren't recruiting at all under Dooley. Butch Jones came in and got after it in recruiting a little bit. And they were so they're five and seven, and they're seven and six. So we're seeing improvement. And then they get to nine and four. We're seeing improvement. And then that 2016 season, like that year, they were like a 
you know, like a dark horse, can they win the SEC title kind of team going into the year because of the way they've been recruiting, because of the nine wins before. They were number nine uh, in the country. Yeah. And then they nearly got knocked off by, believe it or not, we just talked about them, App State. Yep. But but they didn't. They won. Um, I'm just looking at their schedule now. They beat Virginia Tech. Battle Bristol. They won. They won in a a gosh darn uh, NASCAR track. That's right. That's right. The Battle of Bristol. Uh, Beat Florida. Beat Georgia. Um, And then they lose it at at Kyle Field to a top ten team. They get stomped by Alabama, number one team in the country, and they lose to a a close to a quality South Carolina team. All this is probably unnecessary. But the point is, that team, with the exception of the Alabama game, like the Texas A&M game was two overtimes. South Carolina game was close. And then they lost to Vanderbilt at the end of the year, which is probably inexcusable. But either way, like that Butch Jones team was successful at a level Tennessee hadn't been successful since. And they hadn't been successful before in a few years. Uh, it's been a minute since it was winning nine games. And and when you look at that team, and then the next year it, it fell apart. And so he deserves all the, all the blame for that. But it did fall apart with players on the roster. It, you know, you got, got, you got Rashawn Galden and Jalen Hurd and uh, Derek Barnett and Alvin Kamara and Josh Dobbs and all these guys in the NFL. And you can absolutely blame him for squandering a lot of that talent. He also should get some credit for getting that talent. I think the deal with Butch Jones is if he's going into an interview, the, the number one question is, you know, coach, what have you learned from your time at Tennessee? And if his answer is some wandering BS, like passing the buck kind of deal, then I'm, I'm, I'm done with you, coach. Like, Th- thank you. Appreciate your time. Uh, we'll call you. Don't call us. But if he gives you like some very specific self critique about, you know what? I recruited. I got. I got seduced by stars. Uh, I recruited the wrong kind of guys. We let the players start running the program after a couple years. There, we lost control from a discipline standpoint, um, which are all things that I think were true. But I think he's got to own his mistakes in that. And if he does, look, I wouldn't be excited about that hire if I'm Arkansas. So I think Power Five probably isn't where Butch Jones resurfaces. But that doesn't mean I'm not one that thinks a guy left the program in bad shape or or sort of fell down to the bottom of the ladder is can't still be a good coach. So I, I think that Butch Jones is a really interesting case study of a guy that has done a lot of good things uh, but clearly had some major issues with culture and discipline and the kind of people that he's building a locker room with that he needs to be willing to uh, own before he takes another step. Also a fan base with expectations that might be unrealistic. Yes, but... <laughs> But I don't like. I don't think he got a raw deal. No, I don't think he got a raw deal. I just okay. think that 
at Arkansas if you do hire Butch Jones? Because I don't think Butch Jones is a elite program building top of the line coach. Mm. I don't think he's a bad coach either. I think that he's a guy that can come in and do the job. And if you're Arkansas and your main goal is to put in, you know, a foundation and to be a respectable program, then I think Butch Jones is a perfectly fine hire. But I'm with you. I think that he should probably get back to a group of five gig and he's probably going to have to to prove himself before he gets another job, particularly in the SEC, because, you know, with what happened at Tennessee, I don't know if there's any SEC teams that are going to be knocking down the door to hire Butch, even though he's graduating from the Saban's, you know, finishing school. But, like, I, I was talking in Slack the other day. I feel like if Luke Fickle leaves Cincinnati, maybe Butch Jones goes back to Cincinnati. That yeah, wouldn't I mean, be I, bad. That kind of job makes sense. Um, Am I? And, and oh, Go ahead. Uh, how about it? Well, I was just going to say, I think that not just this question, but the reason I wanted to go to it is I do sense that uh, Butch's people have been doing a good job of, or those uh, with pro Butch Jones interests have been doing a good job of trying to, you know, point at the good things to, to circle the evidence of success. Uh, the fact that, He's been, as a head coach, though while he has uh, followed successful regimes at both Central Michigan and at Cincinnati, that he has been able to also achieve similar levels of success. And that, yes, as you mentioned, Barton, like there was, like Tennessee was beating Florida and Georgia in the same season. Like that was, they were on that level of contending for SEC championships. And when you're beating Florida and Georgia, you are at least a contender for an SEC championship. Couldn't finish the job but you are a contender. And I think that um, the experience is being sold and Butch Jones is being pushed not as a splashy hire, but as a safe pick for an Arkansas program where the uh, other um, choice, the what would be behind the other door, the way that this conversation is being framed, is you're just welcoming in another group of five coach who's going to be overwhelmed in a league where the the best coaches have their programs already three miles ahead of you in the race. And maybe that Saban dust will end up mattering as Arkansas just tries to to stop the bleeding. Butch Jones seems like a stop the bleeding hire. I'll say that. Well, I, yeah, you know what though? Like I uh I I just feel like Arkansas fans would they, they would not welcome that hire. I don't think. No, I don't maybe think they would either. Maybe I'm misreading it, but I, I feel like they would be very disappointed in that hire. Um, and, and I think to Tom's point on the expectations of Tennessee, I do think one of Butch Jones's flaws was handling the stress and pressure of that gig. Um, was that that just seemed to Man, that's t- and that's a and that's not even necessarily like a a, a knock. <laughs> like that's just a human. That's just a human observation. Like I think most people would. And 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 what he was going through, and what like it, the expectations there, the recruiting class he was bringing in, uh, how close they were getting to turning it, and and then how far away it looked at the end. I just think he sort of crumbled in that last year. Uh, under the weight of it and uh, so perhaps some some distance from that and he's more equipped to handle it uh, but 
you know, Arkansas, I, you know, he might do well at Arkansas. I just don't think he's, he's the guy for that hire. Coming up on the other side, more of your questions and our answers next. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Man, I, I do love it when everything kind of flows together. You know, one question to the next. Some similar through lines. I mean, it's just uh, it's just just one great journey, and you, the listeners, are the ones that are taking us there. Uh, JSJSJ asks uh, at Cincinnati, Luke Fickle has arguably been a home run hire. Is there any chance that he follows Athletic Director Mike Bond to USC, or do you see him staying at Cincinnati for a few more years and looking for the OSU job down the road? Well, he's not going to USC. You you are not going to entertain the idea that Luke Fickle might be a good hire for USC or one that could happen? I I think that a lot of people would have to say no first. Mm. And I don't know that enough people will say no. You're saying that he's got a number that will not have him called to jury duty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we will not get to now serving... 387B. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I agree. I'd probably agree with that. Um, at, on the surface, it sounds like it would – I mean, he'd probably do well there. Probably that, be a really good hire. That's what I but, was thinking. I was like, if if we are in a vacuum and there's there's no other candidates and we're not talking about a, an Urban Meyer or James Franklin, I, get, I would take Luke Fickle over Jeff Fisher. But – Here's the thing, though. Like, if you look at that USC job and why they're going to be making the change and what they're looking to do, they're looking to restart, in a way, that program. They're looking to reintroduce it to being a national powerhouse. And not a knock on Luke Fickle, but something that you have to think about when it comes to teams in L.A., there needs to be a certain kind of sex appeal. That's just the way it works. And Luke Fickle is not the name that is going to excite anybody. <laughs> no. no. It's, yeah. It, you know, the, the, the number one candidate at Michigan State is not the number one candidate at USC. Exactly. <laughs> and it's got nothing to do with Luke Fickle because I do think that he's a good enough coach that if he got the USC job, he would win games. Would he win national titles? I don't know. He would be better than any coach they've had in recent years. But they, they're going to go after Urban Meyer. They're going to go after James Franklin. They're going to go after all these kinds of people before they get down to the part of the list that says Luke Fickle on it. 
Lukeville is going to show up and shake hands and the boosters or regents or whoever is going to walk away and be like, man, why is that guy so nice? Why is that guy so nice? We just got rid of the nice guy. We, we just hired another nice guy. Mike, come on, Mike. Come over here, Mike. Did you just hire <laughs> another nice guy. And they're going to be like, I, I wanted it. Like, Want a killer. We, we, you're supposed to, yeah, you're supposed to go hire him. Uh, uh, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm, with, uh, I'm with you, Tom. All right. As, oh, as for the part about the Ohio State job, I mean, maybe. I, I would expect him, if Michigan State or somebody comes calling, I would think that he would jump at that before he would sit and hope that like Ryan Day goes to the NFL or gets fired. I agree on that one for sure. Uh, Go Green 27 asks, who are some candidates that might be good to rebuild Michigan State? Campbell, Norvell, a Power 5 coordinator. Also, I still think Chip and America. What a great combo, Chip and America. <laughs> I still think Chip and America may get our Bama versus OK and Hurts matchup. It just may be in the Sugar Bowl this year. You might be right. Alab- yeah. Jalen Hurts against Alabama in the Sugar Bowl on uh, New Year's Day. I'll take it. That'd be a pretty fun New Year's Six Bowl. Be pretty awesome. Uh, all right, so back Michigan State. We just mentioned Luke Fickle is like Matt Campbell's definitely in that conversation. I don't know if Mike Norvell would be, but I'd I, I just Mark D'Antonio has been the head coach at Michigan State. Tom, basically for our entire run at CBS, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't even know what a Michigan State coaching hire really looks like from the inside. I don't I don't know, you know, we've got the sort of the built-in identity of that has been established with a with a Nick Saban, uh Don Treadwell, Mark D'Antonio. Like there's there's definitely a flavor. I don't know if Norvell necessarily fits that. Um what's uh what's 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 y'all's feeling right now taking the temperature of things in East Lansing? What if there was a former Power Five head coach out there who was from the state of Michigan and he played college ball in the state of Michigan and he spent roughly 13 years coaching college in the state of Michigan. Does that sound like an attractive candidate? Is it Brady Hoke? It's Butch Jones. <laughs> well, brick by brick. I feel like Michigan State's a much better fit for Butch Jones than Arkansas is. But now I feel like Michigan State fans might have the same reaction okay. to it that Arkansas fans Okay, would, but I think he would definitely be in the conversation. Man, I that that is it's wild to me that we're even like posturing Butch Jones <laughs> at Michigan State. I'm not, and for the record, I'm not there. I'm not there yet that he would be a legit candidate there. I mean, the first call, you're not getting, A, you're not getting past Matt Campbell if he says yes. Yeah. No. Matt Campbell's your first call. Then Luke Fickle's your second call. And And one of those two guys says yes. Like one of those two will say yes. I would think so. Yeah. And and even, like, I'd even, I think he even goes somewhere like Scott Satterfield. Uh, if you get past those guys, maybe you don't even get to Luke Fickle. Like, there's, I just think Michigan State is the type of 
job where you can just go out and hire the best coach. I think, and I don't, this, 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 isn't, this isn't meant as a slight to the fan base, but like you can get away with just hiring the best coach. It doesn't have to be this guy that's sexy and doesn't have to be a guy that's got some fancy offense. This guy that's, that can coach and develop and, and, and identify talent and, and have a tough football team. And that'd be a fun place to be. Is just go decide which one, which co- coach in the country is best at that. And there's a few of them out there. Right now, in fact, there is, is a great time for a need to go hire someone like that without regard for what their, you know, Q rating is or something. You know, I, I, so I think that I think Michigan State goes that route. And Butch Jones, I feel like a little bit more of a, like a name that some athletic director thinks gets somebody excited. Telling you, if that job comes open, you will hear Butch Jones's name. I don't know who's going to push it. it. I don't doubt it. Saban Dust, Saban Dust, and uh, and CAA or whatever agency he's repped by. They'll he's uh, by the Don Dada. <laughs> by CAA. <laughs> All right. So that's the thing about the Michigan State job is it's like it's a Big Ten job, but it's also a job where. You've got to compete with Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State every year. So, I, I that's you know you got to have the right kind of guy who's going to want to take on that challenge. Mark Stoops. How about yeah, that? that'd be yeah. No, I think I mean he's from Ohio. He's done a lot of recruiting in Ohio at Kentucky, and he would still be able to do that at Michigan State and. The thing is, though, he might have a smaller mountain to climb in the SEC East, as strange as that is to say, that he would in the Big Ten East. Yeah, it's uh, it's but you, but I think you're also probably have a higher ceiling at Michigan State, regardless of div- of division or conference, yeah. than you do at Kentucky. And you'd still be at a basketball school. Ooh, it's just a joke. Relax, Michigan State fans. <laughs> <laughs> um. If you had to designate one team from each Power Five conference to go all-out triple option, who would you pick? This is from Will in Columbus, and I, I will begin the with the with a clarification before we begin this game. Do we are we going to put Georgia Tech back in there? Or are we opening up the triple option doors for other teams as well in the ACC? Oh, I'm going to open up the door. Okay, let's open up the doors. In the ACC, I will select the Duke Blue Devils to go to all triple option. Tom? That's a good call. You know where I was going. Wake Forest. Wake Forest. <laughs> uh, all triple option in the ACC. Uh, let me go. Yeah, I mean, Duke makes the most sense probably. All right, what about in the Big Ten, Tom? In the Big Ten? Oh, man. Rutgers at this point? No, see, that's the thing. There's too much talent in New Jersey. I feel like if Rutgers gets the right coach, I've long argued that Illinois should do it, but Lovey Smith is kind of you know proving he can win there for now. Uh, Nobody knows angles like engineering nerds. Give me Purdue all triple option. Yeah, but I mean, Purdue's had some 
Yeah, I don't think Purdue. I don't think Indiana is a horrible choice either. It's just it's kind of hard to say that this year, considering it's seven and three. But I, I feel like if you're going to be an option school in a Power Five, it helps to be at a basketball school, which is why Duke uh, is a good choice. Because then you're just hoping for like a competent football team, and you can have a competent team with an option offense. Guys, the triple option answer in the Big Ten is Nebraska. Oh gosh. Oh. I mean, um. <laughs> <laughs> so we will need to put in a bleep at forty nine thirty. Return to the glory days. Yeah, that is yeah. wow. Well, yeah, what, what are we messing around with all this spread stuff for? Let's get back to. If we're getting back to Scott Frost. They should they should hire Scott Frost and say, Scott, we're we're taking you on, but you got to run the wishbone, man. That That'd might be, be. I would love to see Nebraska running the wishbone. That's yep. that's that might be what uh, the offseason changes that uh, they get yeah. put in amidst growing pressure uh, for results from the Scott Frost tenure, as young as it may be at Nebraska. All right, Barton, that was a fantastic call. You win the Big Ten, no doubt. Who in the Big Twelve uh, should be going all out triple option? We're all going to say the same thing. Kansas. Kansas. Oh, because you're at a basketball school too. And that, you clearly can't win at football. Issues. Yeah. Yeah. Kansas hard to hard to argue against there. What about in the Pac-12? I wrote uh, a column a few years ago saying Oregon State should do it, but they shoved it up my butt. Uh, Colorado, maybe. I think you know, and the thing about the triple option in today's game is like it doesn't have to just be straight up under center like. No, like it could be a, a very diverse, exciting brand. Um, you know, kind of rich rodish, if you want to. And I, I think I don't know. There's something about the idea of Colorado, because when that stadium is rocking, it's kind of a cool place that, that they could get to Texas speed. I, I think Colorado could have success with that kind of offense. Yeah, I you got. Ralphie running, <laughs> yeah, run Ralphie run. Um, I think that be, in the same way that Mike Leach has made air raid part of you know just sort of the Washington State culture, I I think that you could do the triple option at Washington State and establish it in a similar way. Well, to be fair, Wazoo was running air raid before Leach got there with uh, Paul Wolf. Was that it? Yeah. So, I mean, remember Drew Bledsoe and Ryan Leaf. They Oof. were slinging it all over the place. So I don't think it would work there. I think that that's kind of their identity. To sling it around? Mm-hmm. All right, what about it? Do, oh, go ahead. I don't think it's a bad choice. I just think that, you know, you better you better win quick, Chip, or they're going to can your ass. <laughs> all right, what about in the SEC? Vandy. Yeah, probably Vandy. Though, I mean, you could probably make a case for, like, Arkansas or someone. Just, hey, if you're going to be everything in the SEC West, you got to play LSU, Alabama, every you and Auburn. Hey, maybe just find something totally different, and 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 give yourself a chance, because you're not going to beat those guys at those guys' game. So I think you could make a case for an Arkansas, Ole Miss, or one of the Mississippi schools. Yeah. What if Alabama did it? <laughs> what if that's Saban's final chapter? He goes. I would. 
No, go ahead. I was just going to say to to go from where Saban started with this Alabama team to to open it all the way up, spread offense, RPOs, no tight end, like 10 personnel, no tight end, single running back, a lot of wide receivers, and then bring it all the way back and just and finish it. With- ever, then it forces other teams to start doing it, and then yeah. suddenly you look up and <laughs> – Half the country's running the triple option and Saban yeah, sort of walks amazing. away from the table and like pats his hands and says, All right, have fun with this. Because <laughs> that is that is one thing I would really like to see because there's that you know, like we, the way we're even discussing this or approaching it is it's like, okay, what school needs to do this in order to compete? Because the option is something you have to do if you can't get the kind of talent to compete, you gotta be different. But what if a school that does have the talent ran the option? You're telling me that wouldn't work? I'm saying I think it would work really well if you took Alabama's talent and if you didn't have Tua but you had the Tua of the option quarterback you had a Tommy Frazier you're telling me that couldn't work in this day and age if you had that level of talent oh my god I would love to see it just to go see some some 6'3 pound future NFL guard out in space demolishing linebackers and cornerbacks. Getting all hot and bothered. Just thinking about (laughs) it. Yeah, I I like that a lot. Um, All right. Let's say Lincoln Riley or Ryan Day, which which coach would you most like to be for the next five years? This question from Maskin CEO. Well, most like to be. Right. Well, okay. Um, I mean, I don't know. It would be pretty cool to be the coach of the Dallas Cowboys, I guess. So maybe Lincoln <laughs> Riley. <laughs> I don't know. Would it be cool to be the coach of the Cowboys? Because then Jerry's just on your ass all the time telling you everything you got to do. It's like you're not really even the coach at that point. Uh, um. I don't know. I, I'll be. I'll happily be either. I think they're both. I think they've both got some nice futures coming their way. I'll be Ryan Day as long as all the uh, as as long as all those support staff are still in place at Ohio State. As long as the machine that Urban Meyer and Gene Smith have dreamt up over their morning coffees and their joint family vacations. <laughs> Is all still together and running? I'll be Ryan Day. Like, you know, I I was, I'm starting to think about that. It's like Ryan Day really might have that freedom where he he gets to be a little bit more of a ball coach. You know, we were talking about the the personalities. It's just because so much of the Ohio State monster is just up and running. Just go out there and coach the ball, man. That's all you got to do. All right, you guys want to hear? Here's a fascinating question. All right, let's say Urban Meyer gets USC and everyone seems to think that this is not a outlandish idea. Everyone seems to think like we're all in agreement. Basically this is whether it's going to happen or not. It's a realistic possibility that Urban Meyer could be the next coach of USC. Mm -hmm. Urban Meyer's success has largely been not be, I don't want to say because of, but certainly major characters and players in it is that uh infrastructure that that you're talking about chip that he's built up to his credit but mark pantoni is the director of player personnel at ohio state 
He was basically the first true director of player personnel in college football. He came with Urban Meyer from Florida, where he cultivated that role. Um, if if Mark Pantone leaves Ohio State and goes with Urban Meyer, if and I'm not saying that he would be able to do this, but if somehow he was able to lure Mickey Marotti, the strength, strength conditioning coach, coach yeah. from Ohio State, who was Urban Meyer's strength coach at Florida uh, to USC, like that that's that those would be pretty huge blows to Ohio State that not a lot of sort of casual fans would recognize and I'm sure that if Urban Meyer gets hired I have no like there's zero question in my mind that he would call Mark Pantone and say come to USC with me he would call Mickey Mirati and say come to USC with me and those guys would then have a decision to make I'm not I don't know I have no idea whether they would leave or not but if they decided our loyalty is to urban not to to ohio state then that is the kind of blow that is it totally changes ryan day's situation again my answer is ryan day as long as those guys are in place (laughs) (laughs) because i just think lincoln's got to do a little bit more and ryan day's got to do a little bit less thanks and both of them interesting positions as they were both offensive coordinators. They were both, uh, you know, the the head coach steps down. The you know they're thrust right into the situation. But I just I think that the the Ohio State machine is built up in a way where, and I think Lincoln Riley's done a good job of, especially on the recruiting trail, of sort of you know figuring out how he wants to market himself and the Lincoln Riley Oklahoma experience and all that. I think he is doing great work there. But I think that is work that takes a whole lot of effort. And I think Ryan Day just gets, gets to coach ball. And now, just go ahead. No, I was going to say neither Pantone and Marotti are from Ohio, right? Uh, I don't think so. So I, I would think that if Urban comes back and he wanted them, I would think that, you know, they might be more loyal to Urban than they are to Ohio State. Yeah, you'd think. But I mean, maybe they maybe they just like working for they Ryan Day. They might just Day be better. happy there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I don't know. But, um, I, it, it's it is like that is such an important part. Like we talked about Butch Jones earlier. I mean, you could argue the most important element of his program, or the, or the biggest factor in his failure was lack of a strength a quality strength and conditioning program. You know, look at James Franklin. You know, his he when he got the head job at Vanderbilt, he took Dwight Galt from Maryland, and where he produced a bunch of freaks at Maryland, and that. As much as anything, as much as like, as much as anything to do with James Franklin's success, it might just be having Dwight Galt on his uh, with him along every step of the way. Vanderbilt to Penn State, and look what those Penn State guys do at the combine every year. And so, strength and conditioning coaches are are such a lifeblood and such a critical factor in every hire. Like if if I'm an AD and I'm asking a head coach interviewing a head coach if you don't have a great game plan for strength and conditioning coach then i'm saying tally ho yeah i I think you can make a very easy argument that i'm more interested in who you're bringing in as your s and c coach than i am for your coordinator spots Mm. um all right you are chris ky91 asks 
You are stranded on a desert island and you can take one coach and one mascot. Who would they be? We also have another desert island uh, question and I'm going to group it in here. Uh, if you were on a desert island, and it's Ryan from SC. So I guess we've got Chris from Kentucky and Ryan from South Carolina. It's an SEC East 730 SEC Network special right here. Uh, if you were on a desert island and could take three coaches for your survival or entertainment, who would they be and why? So I'm going to say you get three coaches and one mascot on your desert island, and we are going for survival and or entertainment. Now, how large is this island? It's a de- it's a desert island or <laughs> desert but I'm saying, island. Though, it, de- it depends on the size of the island, because if it's a large island, because, you know, some islands are larger than others, deserted or not, I might want a horse. So I could get around mm. this island a bit easier for one of my mascots. So maybe I take, you know, USC's mascot. Ride him Wait, around. Wait, so you, USC's mascot? Yeah, the horse. What's its name? Oh, uh, so th- are we saying the USC's mascot is a horse? Well, he is a mascot, or, isn't he? USC? They're, they're the Trojans. No, I know that the team nickname is the Trojans, but the mascot is a horse. Is it the mascot, oh, the whoa, man? Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, 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 no. I the mean, the man the who swings the sword with the funny hat, he is the mascot. Traveler, USC's mascot is a noble white horse that appears at all USC home football games with the oh. regal Trojan warrior astride. The so mascot that, that, is the horse. No, no, no. But if you're a USC Trojan, you're fighting on because like you're a Trojan warrior. Trojan is the team's nickname. It is not the mascot. So are you assuming that like this we're this the debate Big, we're discussing what, like who is that like like the, like the the actual character that's on the sideline? What what is Western Kentucky's mascot? A hilltopper, which I assume is like a, a just like a a, a redneck. Basically. No, which probably their well, mascot might, is might Big do. Red, that big red blob. They're not called okay. the Big Red Blobs. They're called the Hilltoppers because that's their nickname, and their mascot is Big Red. USC well, thinking, is nickname is the Trojans, and their mascot is Traveler, the horse. I, I am thinking of the Hilltoppers as basically a mountain man, a hillbilly of some sort. And, in fact, a hillbilly or mountain man of some sort it would probably do great on a desert Yeah, island. I was going to say, give me a mountaineer. I'll take uh, Yosef from Appalachian State or the West Virginia one, which actually sounds like it comes with the firearm. Fine. Since I'm going to appease you two who are so incredibly wrong about this. I'll take the SMU Mustangs with me then. So now you've got your horse. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's ways you could get this horse. And now I've got more than one horse. So thanks. <laughs> Barton, who's yours? What's your mascot? And then we'll get the coaches. I'm, I'm, I'm taking some sort of Native American. I'm taking a Seminole. I'm taking a Ute, which I, apparently is not just like a happy man in Utah. It's a it's an actual Indian. It's a tribe. Yes. Tribe. Uh, so I'm just I'm taking one of those um, as because the the Native Americans have some I would see some survivalist skills living off the land uh, that would would come in handy. So that, that that to me is an easy one. All right. So what about the coaches? <laughs> So I, I, there's two ways you can go here. You can obviously go with like the entertainment. Like I'm going to take Mike Leach because he's going to talk about weird stuff forever. And oh God, no. I, yeah, I'm I'm more inclined. Like I'm going to go like Seth Luttrell for North Texas, um, former fullback. Like 
I guarantee you that he carries like a pocket knife and he's I bet you uh I bet you a beer that he has at some point in his life like been on the way to the airport and getting in the security checkpoint and <laughs> forgot that he has like a gun in his bag. He's like, Oh man, I got oh crap. I gotta go throw the gun. Officer the Officer <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Like so I just I think he's probably got some like survivalist but, skills. But here's something that I don't think you're considering. If, if we're stranded on an island and we need a survivalist skill, what if it comes down to there's not enough food or we can't find food? And you gotta do that thing that many have had to do in similar situations following shipwrecks. And being stranded on top of mountains. You're just trying to decide which coach looks like the tastiest? No, not which one looks the tastiest, but do you want to be with the coach who could beat you up and kill you and eat you? So or you do you think you could take Seth Luttrell? I don't think I could take Seth Luttrell. <laughs> exactly. See, this is something you've got to consider because if it gets down to the nitty gritty, I would rather have a coach I think I could take. That's why I'm not taking Coach O with me. <laughs> so who is the coach you want to eat? Tom, <laughs> <laughs> I'm bringing Elijah Drinkwitz. And, uh, uh, I don't know. I haven't. I just. I'm not saying that's the only thing you should consider, but I think this is something that should be considered, especially if you've already got your Ute with you. What do you need? What do you need Seth with you to show you around? You've got your Ute. He'll be fine. I want Gary Patterson. I want Gary Patterson, and I just think that. He's he's got some figure it out to him. He's got a chip on his shoulder. He's gonna he doesn't you know what Gary Patterson doesn't have? Gary Patterson doesn't have any woe is me. He doesn't have a woe is me blood cell in his body. So he's gonna be able to uh to keep us focused uh on on what we need to do to be able to improve our situation. I think that um Herm Edwards is gonna be my spiritual advisor for this very difficult time. So I got Gary Patterson. I got Hello. Her, I got need to get food. I got Listen, listen men. We got to we got to keep good spirits about us right now. Uh Whoa, and, and then, to survive the day. And, that would be helpful. I'll say that. Yeah, absolutely. Just to just to keep my mind, body, spirit and soul in a in a in a good place. And then finally after we've got Gary Patterson, uh, you know, who's never going to say "woe is me," and we've got uh, Herm Edwards as our spiritual advisor. <sighs> My last one is going to be for entertainment, and it's going to be Mac Brown. Just talking. You're just stories. Because are Gary Patterson, Herm Edwards, and Mac Brown. Yeah. So you. This is all about. This is really just about like your mental like like keeping your you mentally healthy. My mountaineers are gonna have to handle all the other stuff. Uh, I got you. Yeah, you got a whole yeah, you got a, a group of mountaineers. I mean if you're stranded in this situation and maybe it speaks to sort of my own uh the way that I approach these things, I think that I'm probably my own worst enemy. I gotta take care of me and then we'll uh, we'll figure out if we make it out of here. Chip, I know what your I know what your game is. What? The three coaches you selected are going to die. <laughs> Their average age is 64. <laughs> Does that outlast them? Mm-hmm. Chip's, Chip's thinking of food supply. 
Oh, oh he's, he seems kind, but there's there's evil. There's a darkness under <laughs> there. <laughs> um, all right. Any any other coaches we want to <laughs> get to your island? Whether you want to eat them or uh, or whether you want them to help you. Uh. I don't know. <laughs> this is a really weird question. Uh, I'm going to do Mike Loxley and Josh Gaddis. <laughs> <laughs> Just, yeah, that's good. Do we have a strong, do we know of any coaches who are strong swimmers or who are able to build like a raft? Mm. Kenny Matalolo is probably oh. uh, like just absorbed a little bit of uh, midshipman sort of knowledge. Yeah, see, I, I want a crafty coach. I want somebody who could help get us off the island. So that way, after we're done eating my horses, which I correctly and wisely brought with me, we can we could set sail like Tom Hanks and cast away. Does get his... Nick Rolovich get Nick Rolovich from uh, Hawaii? He's, oh yeah, I'm sure he's got some some. You know, he knows how to how to. Hell, he lives on, on an island, island, a deserted yeah. island. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, thank you to all of you for all of the questions. Uh, we're sorry if we didn't get to yours. It is in the mailbag and it will be used in uh, in a future episode of a Mailbag Monday. Uh, you can always submit your questions for going to the Cover 3 College Football Podcast page wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a five-star rating. Give us a review. Tell us what you think about the show. We appreciate those comments, but also include your question for the mailbag. We will get it on a future Mailbag Monday. You can follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow him at Tom Fernelli. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.